Hello and welcome to the Fellowship Phase, an Adventures in Middle-earth podcast. I'm Josh, and that's Callum. And once again, that's Scott. We're going to give you inside information on how to find your own path through Tolkien's world. So it ends as I guessed it would, his thought said, even as it fluttered away and it laughed a little within him as it fled. Things are not going to end well for you. You've known this for most of your life. Although you don't quite understand why, it may just be a gut feeling or perhaps you took some prophetic dream to heart and assumed that you're going to be denied a happy ending in life. You just soldier on as best you can before the inevitable happens, hoping that your actions will at least make you worth remembering in the songs and tales now being written. Hello, Scott and Josh. Hello, Josh and Callum. Hello, Scott and Callum. Great, we all said our right. Our names okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very evocative start. I feel this is a serious, heavy start to this episode. Doomed to die. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, I've really brought the mood down pretty early yeah. on. It's so long, long foretold twice foreshadowed <laughs> in cliffhangers and it's funny because we're recording these three episodes back to back but they'll be released two weeks apart so it's <laughs> essentially a month since the first part of this so sorry uh, <laughs> um, so Doom to Die so Carhu Scott yes was your background you chose for him was Doom to Die can you talk us a little bit through like maybe like why you chose that and what it is um I feel like we're going to say Doom to Die far more than anyone ever has. Well, that's the name of the class. Do you just say D to D? D to D. Um, Which is different from D and D. Yes. It's D and D. D to D. (laughs) 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 Oh dear. Um, Yes, creating Carhu, I, as I said in a previous episode, this is my favourite part of the whole book, Mm -hmm. the backgrounds. Um, I did read through all of them. This is the only thing that I did actually read through all the options because I think they're all really interesting. Yeah. And you can, it inspires thoughts of so many stories you could tell with characters. Um, but thinking of playing Slayer and similarly ish, I think, to you when mm-hmm. you talked about Theodric, this is my first character. Yeah. He's going to die. Yeah. And I'll roll somebody better next time. <laughs> That was my thought process, um, and yeah, I, he, I'd always built him and played him for quite a long period that he was meant to die. Yeah, you certainly tried. I did. <laughs> I, I, I threw him into many situations yeah, yeah. with glee abandon, um, and none of it worked. He's still alive. But I just thought for someone who has a fairly dark backstory I mean for all the campaigns that we've played now it's not a surprise you've got to know me pretty well now Um, that playing a slayer who is so obsessed with battle it makes sense that part of the reason they're doing this is that they are almost inviting death they're actively seeking it 
Um, and that, as soon as that thought entered my head about who Carhu was, I, I, none of the other backgrounds made any sense to me. That that was the one that really cemented who he was and his story in my head. So, at what stage of the the character creation process did you start looking at this? So, you, you talked about how you started by wanting yep. to be a slayer. Yep. When did this come in, and did it then change earlier decisions you'd made in the character creation? Um, I looked at backgrounds before um, culture. culture in this. Um, I looked at backgrounds before cultures. I'd had a loose, a very, very loose idea in my head that Karu was fighter, but I didn't really have a cemented story. Mm-hmm. As soon as I read Doom to Die, that sparked something in my head and I started coming up with a story. And this created Karu. Wow. Which, yeah, is, is why I love the background so much. I think they're incredible. So the backgrounds give you a couple of things. Uh, you get skill proficiencies, so yeah. for Doom to Die, athletics and intimidation. Which, which I think you also got from Slayer and also got from being a Bjorning as yeah. options, which is so quite funny, you sort of double down on all this. <laughs> so it fits in yeah. Yeah. together. Uh, they all come with a feature of some kind, which is a, normally a sort of soft buff of some kind. Dark foreboding. Uh, you don't know the hour or manner of your death, but you do have a, effectively a, a sixth sense. Uh, and that's something really relies on the lore. Yeah, I don't know if I remembered about that. It's, it's, it's quite weird. Like, I guess there's one way you can stick your hand up and be like, I have this dark promoting feature. Does it come up? Um, and you've got this sort of the heightened awareness uh, from being a slayer as well. I think it synergizes. So it kind of synergizes yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, it's sort of you know, you just have this sense that this is something terrible is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's quite a lot of overlap between different characters and different abilities mm-hmm. sometimes it can be quite hard to unpick exactly what it is so like yeah sometimes I find when abilities are this vague I actually this is a bit of like a meta game or um, <laughs> uh, to admit but like if something's really vague and depends on the role master it actually puts me off taking it because I'm like I'd rather have something mechanical that I know will definitely come up interesting which is weird but it's weird it's just interesting yeah so no, I, I, I it's like thieves can't. I'm just like, oh, that's never gonna, you know, that's never gonna be important. So, yeah, it puts that huge onus on your lore master or dungeon master or whoever to to really do that thing, and so to make the decision on your own to take it. Yeah, and it yeah. feels like a risk. I mean, so I'm not just dumping on dark for wooding, but mainly because I'm trying to cover up for the fact that I kind of forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely think it. It just synergizes with the vigilant senses oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah. I, I've never thought you've forgotten about it. Okay, that's good. Go it's, away with it. You should have said that. I should not have said that. The other thing or things that you get from your background are a distinctive quality, a specialty, hope, and a despair. Now, you can roll. There are tables for each of the backgrounds. You can roll. Did you roll or did you pick? I picked for Carhu. Okay, so um, what do we go for? What about distinctive quality? There are um, eight to choose from. Maybe we could just go through the ones you, you chose. I chose Hardened. Um, part of the reason that you have accepted your fate is that you have seen too much death and misfortune already. It's your turn. Okay. <laughs> Evocative straight off the bat. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And um, that helped inform some of the backstory that's to come? Yeah. I imagine. Okay. Massive, massively, yeah. Uh, next one is Specialty. Is this another one that you... 
I believe I chose every one for Karhu. Um, the specialty is dark secrets. I have recognised the shadow of influence and I'm certain that its advance is what has sealed my fate. Oh, okay. Oh dear. Oh, it's really it's ominous. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty heavy. Well, fortunately, the next one is hope. hope. What's Karhu's hope? Um, I think I chose this one as well. Even when things seem hopeless, I know that this is not the death I see. Interesting. That's interesting. So you know you're doomed to die, but this isn't it. This is how you, yeah. you know you're going to go in a tragic penguin really to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually invincible. It's My one weakness. Penguins! <laughs> Really changed the tone of the campaign for me. It's insight into Callum's brain. Um, and despair is the final one, just yeah. to bring things back down to a gloomy finish. Um, yeah, this this one I, I also um, chose, and again because I thought it was the most depressing. <laughs> um, I know that when things are at their bleakest, I shall be standing alone. Wow. Okay, so that gives us a fairly bleak wow. picture of Car who's his background and, and yeah. kind of who he is underneath the, yeah. the kind of the mechanics of it. Was this the point then that the backstory mm, came this, in? This sparked the, the wannabe <laughs> fantasy author in me. This sparked yeah? that part of my brain. Like, right, good. Okay. So when the role playing starts. Yep. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so this sparked. Okay, you were the eldest of three siblings. They're dead. You had a mother and a father. They're dead. You had aunts and uncles, cousins that you named all of them. They oh, really? Wow. You named all of them. Yeah. They're all dead. To Carvey's knowledge at that time, uh-huh. every single one of them was dead. And started to progress that story of, okay, why would that be the case? Well, the Battle of the Five Armies was mm-hmm. not long ago. Your dad and your uncle went to go and fight, but you weren't old enough. So you were told stay home, protect everyone, and he failed. <laughs> Band of orcs came through, Curry wasn't strong enough to stop them, got knocked out within a second, he woke up. Everyone else was either gone or dead. So his his fury that he has is at himself. It's so, not at the outside world. So with these these qualities, these features, and a couple of the mechanics that you chose, you went from really just kind of numbers and rules into character. very clearly defined character, mm. flawed character with quite clear motivations. Yeah. Wow. This must have been a gift for you as well, then, as a lore master. Such a gift. And the names of the characters will come mm. back to, but like, it was, it was a really great backstory, because in the first couple of sessions we did, were pre-written modules, so I don't think that came up. But and everybody that made characters gave me a lot to build off, and I think that is my main advice as a lore master: is if you want the story to be engaging, kind of get people to like you did. You did that without prompting, and you know I didn't need to ask anything. And I think part of that might have been that we were in lockdown, so we we all had a lot of time <laughs> to think about this. Yeah. But I think you know if we were going to do it again, and we've talked about this with Elaras, who was a character that that Scott took on. Um, when Carhu wasn't able to go to Gundabad. Um, it's one of the bits of the campaign that we did like a session zero to create the character together, together and work on it. Amazing. It so good. So like, yeah. I think, I don't, I don't know what would have changed if, if we'd worked on Carhu together. Probably not much, because it sounded like you had a really 
I think I would have just been sitting there and been like, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> you want to call him Grim? Yeah, okay, that seems like very convenient. I mean, thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, so, so good when you're given a, a backstory which is rich and full but not constraining. Like, it, it, was, it wasn't anything like, you know, I'm the most important person, everyone knows me, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It was like, this has happened to me and this is how I am who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And going forward, it was every combat, I want to die. So it was just throw yourself in and... Throw in with, like, literally reckless advantage. <laughs> like, reckless every attack you can. Let the enemies hit you with advantage. Because you want, you're in, you just want someone to be good enough to kill you. Oh, wow. So you said this was the first time you'd role, played a role-playing, tabletop role-playing game. Yep. I think that's one of the big challenges for players is trying to, when you first start, is that idea of this character maybe makes decisions that I wouldn't. I'm, I'm trying to you know, be in character, maybe making different decisions. Mm. Having such a well-constructed backstory, did that make it easier then for you? Do you think it, you, you yeah. were able to... I think it made it a lot easier for me to be quite a cautious person in real life. <laughs> I overthink a lot of things. So to, to be able to think in his mindset of, don't think act was really freeing yeah. it was incredibly freeing to be able to just be so different to who I am in real life no, yeah. don't think about it you, your intelligence modifier is zero <laughs> um, like, just crack run, on there is danger over there run at it hit it before it can hit you and that like for a very long time during our game was how Kari was and I think both from a character point of view is very compelling for me as a you know a fellow player or audience member watching it's very compelling he's a very driven character very clear he's nothing like who I am in real life it's very clear motivation which is not always it's quite flawed because it's very dangerous I actually think also in a meta perspective it's very um, engaging because you naturally like drove us to do yeah, things yeah. because you would run in or you yeah. would attack someone or jump over something and I think that helped drive off of the party that, forwards. That was so much fun <laughs> for me because it is that thing of gamers. You're like, okay, how can we optimally approach yeah. the situation? Uh, and I'm like, Scott is like, oh yeah, let's do that. And then Karu in there going, <laughs> uh, fuck that. There, there's an enemy over there. He doesn't know you're there. Hit him in the back of the head. And it, it was <laughs> so helpful for us as a party, I think, to just give us like forward, it's like a big boulder. And it just gave us forward momentum all the time. Yeah. And it also gave like reasons for roleplay. Because you yeah. know, like sometimes that was a great worked out really well, sometimes it didn't work out well. And it it became this thing where like actually the party members would talk to Carhu and say, like, you know, nobody was ever like, don't do you know, like I think the the group is good and nobody's ever gonna turn around and say, like, you can't art roleplay like that, you know, that's you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So it became an in character discussion. You know, that Halmir Carhu thing that we discussed <laughs> earlier on about, like, well, how how do we work as a group? And so I guess that was how Carhu started out. What was the sort of first sort of things that you found changing or, or, or moving? Like, what? Because I guess the Carhu that we have now after 60 odd sessions or so. Totally different. It's totally different. So, yeah. you know, let's just kind of go through the, the major events, like maybe like a highlight reel of Carhu moments that, that, yeah. that led you 
change to change yeah change. i know that's sort of changing the order of what we how we normally ask these questions but i wonder if it no no that's nothing you just spot on because karma has evolved massively yeah, yeah. Uh, the first influence on karma was daedric because he didn't have a dad so of course, yeah. to have an older bjorning who karma respected give him words of wisdom occasionally sometimes you listened <laughs> sometimes you didn't <laughs> That that was the first step, and then travelling with Torvald and Renan. You have people you care about. Mm -hmm. You've never had that before, or not for a very long time. Maybe it's not the best idea to run into battle and get yourself killed <laughs> because <laughs> these people lie on you. Yeah. So um, I suppose that introduces that like inner conflict for you of like wanting to look after your friends, but also being very driven to be yeah. a risk taker. And the the single biggest story moment for Carvio was running from the city of the Aved. That chase. Yes. We got to a very narrow valley and we ended on a cliffhanger in that <laughs> session. And I genuinely, for however long we had in between that game and the next one, was like, this is this is it. Carvio's gonna die. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna stand in this opening. I'm going to tell everyone else to run and I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. I'm going to kill as many of the bastards as I can <laughs> and then I'm going to die. And that didn't happen. And for most of that session, I was in free fall in my head going, what? <laughs> like, what? I'm not dead. Like, what is going on? You were supposed to die. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and from that point onward, who really changed, completely evolved, and was like, okay, maybe you don't have to die. Maybe you can have a life and not be stuck in the past. That's fascinating. I really remember that because that sense of, well, we're definitely all going to. I had the sense we were all going to die yeah. in the situation, which I think we've spoken about before. The wargs had trapped us in that, that gully. Uh, it's interesting that from Karhu's perspective, because you have this sense the whole way through the character's life that you were like oh this is that moment yeah. that I've always thought yeah, about yeah. has arrived yeah this is it and no it wasn't and then through the amazing <laughs> story that Callum provided for us Carhu evolved yeah in so many ways so at some point we changed We you came to me and asked to change your background yeah when, when was that I think after he met his sister. Oh. Should we talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about that then. Yeah. So we that was fast forward quite a way through. There's been a lot mm. of development and the party composition has changed, although Carhu along with um Rune and Atoll have been with the party pretty much throughout. And then we got to a point where we were fighting or we were investigating something back in the Vale of Anduin. Bjorn had given us some tips as well. Or some some um, kind of threads to investigate of Volter the Bloody, yeah, who is another figure which at the time we really didn't have a great deal of information, but seemed to be in some way linked to the Bjornings or Bjorn's past. That he was he was evil. It was implied that he was a slaver, um, and there'd been violence. And we went to explore that area, but we didn't really know a great deal about it. Yeah, you'd, and you, I think you then figured out that you'd come across that that group, you know, 
when very early on when he'd gone to the city of the Abed yes. and he crossed the, the river because like when when you had an adventure and there was bandits in the road like that was just they were sort of just when I did that at the beginning it was like they were just bandits yeah. they were brigands they were others you know they were just they were there but I often found that like sometimes when stuff, stuff like that happens I reflected I was like so who were they like why were they there who mm-hmm. were they working with and there's a lot of inspiration within the Rovanian region guide about like the different people that are in the valley um, and there's two people Volta the Bloody and Vigland uh, and I kind of didn't really like the idea of having too many I think I feel like it's like a smorgasbord of inspiration in the book and I kind of just took what I liked and yeah. mashed it together so came up with with Volta the Bloody which I won't go into too much detail about because you've not quite finished that arc yet no, mm-hmm. but um, well I guess maybe I'll just ask you Scott what your thoughts on like what, what happened and how you came to find out this person is your sister and what you know <laughs> rather than me accidentally spoiling for me. <laughs> I think if I remember correctly we were trying to get across an old collapsed bridge yes and someone started shooting at us mm-hmm. and Karhu being Karhu <laughs> enemy warhammer face um, and took off after them she was able to match him for speed so we started to get really far away from everyone else and she eventually stopped and we had a tough fight that is one of the closest times Cargo has been to death um, and I eventually won and I remember you describing her whilst I was about to like raise the hammer for the killing blow and I honestly can't remember what it was that you said that twigged it but I was like oh my god this is my sister that I think it was that she wore a ring or yes. something because you'd, you'd very clearly yeah. when you describe your character to me you had the shield and it had yeah. the symbol on it yeah. was it? Was it a bear? it's a bear's head yeah. bear's head and I think what it was was that she had some piece of I think it was a ring yeah. or something similar that was very similar mm-hmm. Uh and it just sort of, you know, I think I was like slowly dropping in hints. Yeah. Because I knew who this was, and I knew that it was your sister. <laughs> and I was a, I didn't want to put you in a situation where you'd find out later on that... Because I think that might be quite a character-breaking situation, yeah. to find out you accidentally killed someone that you <laughs> yeah. know, were listening to. Yeah. Without, without you, know, you know, I guess you weren't ill-intentioned. Uh, so, yeah, and then, and then, I guess then what happened? Um, car who a bit of a meltdown <laughs> everything that he thought was true wasn't he's not the only one of his family left alive his sister's still here what happened to them he'd never questioned that ever he was just like no they're dead what does it matter how they died you didn't stop it well now you know one of them's not dead maybe others aren't dead where has she been all this time? Why did she attack you? Is she working with Volter? So I had this sort of inner spiral of all these things. So we captured her mm-hmm. and took her back to camp and questioned her. Yeah, I had a very intense role-playing session, really, where 
predominantly Carhu, but all the characters were kind of asking her questions and put you as the lore master kind of on the spot. There was a lot. I to... think that was one of the best role-playing sessions that we've had. Or, or at least, maybe, maybe it wasn't, but like, it was the time of all the NPCs, like maybe apart from Radagast. Um, that I've like it wasn't like it wasn't like the most like joy it was quite like a serious mm. really serious role play session all role play but I feel like I really got into her head like I really understood her motivations and the ideas behind that character and how she was what where she was and like you know having been in a similar upbringing to Carhu who I understood really well and then having been essentially abducted and then indoctrinated and brought up in this in this lifestyle and had subscribed to this idea that like strength was everything and you yeah. know it's all about being powerful and strong and the weak deserved their fate etc and it was almost like a, a you know i felt like when we were role-playing it there was some parallels to modern day in terms of you know some you know well-known figures in society that, mm-hmm. that advocate for this sort of thing and how repulsive it is mm-hmm. and um yeah so we had this really interesting Role playing, it was not that much rolling, I don't think. No, hardly any at all. But it was, you know, it felt. I don't know, how did you feel? What do you remember from that session? I remember Torvald asking a lot of more questions about Bolter, like mm-hmm. thinking about it. And Kari was, I need to find out if you're my sister. So, brought up things that he remembered from his childhood in the book of flowers that their father kept. Um, what their mother wore, the song she used to sing to them, which I have since written a lullaby, which, wow. which I don't think I've used oh, in the game um, And trying to connect to the person he used to know, which was incredible. Like, that, yeah, and, that was amazing. And it also, like, you're the oldest sibling, so yeah. she was younger at that time, so, yeah. and I had repressed memories. Yeah. So it was, I think there maybe was some rolling involved on her behalf. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were some roles in there and it was amazing because you kind of took this person from being really indoctrinated, really set in their belief to suddenly quite, and it wasn't like an overnight, like, oh, my sister, my brother, you know, like there was a, there was still quite a few sessions before there was an acceptance, but it, it felt really pivotal for her, but also for, for Carhu in terms of like, you know, here's a family member. And I guess, you know, just to lay out slightly, like, so Volter, the, the idea is that there's this very charismatic leader and almost like the antithesis to Bjorn mm-hmm. on the other side of the river. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, essentially someone that has known to Bjorn and has had this, like, long time in the Anjan Vale and has a very different leadership style and has a different set of values and how that conflicts with what Bjorn has taught kind of, like, brought more into focus what the Bjornings were about, mm. I guess. You know, you kind of, best way to examine something is to, com- you know, contrast it with something very different, I guess. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I thought, and that was really, I, I deliberately put that in because I wanted a way to explore your backstory, I have to say. Yeah. And you, when you gave me the family members, I was like, well, some of them are still alive. <laughs> yeah. Of course they are. They can't give me all this rich backstory. <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, they're all dead, so they're never going to come up. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, I have to do something of this. And so I was like, well, of course, some might have been, you know, the orcs didn't kill up. You survived, so why wouldn't anybody else? Yeah. Maybe people have been captured or taken away. Um, And then it allowed us to go, well, what what do you remember? So we went to your, like, family home. Yep. Uncovered 
sort of family heirlooms that had been buried. That was the moment for me where I feel like she really believed it. I don't know if that's what it felt like for you, but for me, as Carrie, I was like, she finally sees that she is my sister, that I'm not just some weird guy wearing a ward skin. <laughs> telling her that you're my sister. It was like, she remem- she's beginning to remember who she is. Yeah. And that, that was the point where Kari was like, okay, now I really have something to live for. Yeah. And now I can be more than just a warrior. I need to be better for her. I need to become more. Um, and that was the reason he didn't go to Gundabad with everyone else, yeah. was to stay with her. Which which became, a, a I think, a, a big character decision for huge, you. Because yeah. uh, while all this was happening, it was the same time as, uh, as Halmir has been looking for his uncle, which is a very long-running plot. And... You've done a good job as a lore master kind of dropping in clues here and there. We'd kind of quite regularly interact with something that gave us a little bit more information to move the, the pursuit of, of Baron or Helmer's uncle forward. We basically got enough information thinking he's he's further north from where your family's village was. Pretty confident if we go, we might be able to catch up with him or catch the, the trail. And you had the really difficult decision of saying, well, but the car who wouldn't come, yeah, with yeah. the party, yeah, it was really, it was a really bold decision. And we, we, you know, there's a thing about what would my character do, but then you're also hampered a little bit sometimes. Like, I want to keep playing the game, yeah. so then we came up with, with like bringing in an NPC that was there, yeah, and then you took over the NPC and built on the the character that's in the book, and that worked so well. Like yeah. Elleraf the Searcher is like a really I, one of the characters in the book that I was like, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to use this one. And then to have a have that session where we brought maybe we'll probably back at some point and talk about Elleras who actually thought it worked really well as a character. Mm. Um, so yeah, Car who changed and didn't come with the party. Yeah. What do you, you? I think you must have at some point switched your background. What did you switch it to? Um, we swapped it to Oathsworn, but kind of homebrewed it because what's written for Oathsworn, I didn't feel made all that much sense to Carhu. No. But this was another turning point for him where he was starting to embrace becoming a leader. Yeah. And that his oath was sworn to not so much Bjorn but his teachings yeah. and the land. And that he would do everything possible, including biggest thing for him changing himself to live up to that oath and protect the Bjornings and his land. There was I think Bjorn sort of you know, you saw Karhu change and you saw Bjorn you know, Bjorn clearly is looking for someone looking for strong leaders and he had Theodric. He was very different from Bjorn. Very, very different. Yeah. And Karhu was probably much more similar. Uh, or maybe maybe he saw a young Bjorn in him. I'm not sure. And I was slightly gently encouraging as the lower master to use a player uh, through Bjorn to like say like actually Carhu could could be a leader. Okay. And when you didn't go to Gundabad, I think that was a big moment. And then I guess you know there was a bit of of nourishing of that there. 
and then I guess Josh doesn't really know about this, but there was a a session that we did just. It was you, Stuart. And I. Yeah, it was yeah. just the three of us. Yeah. Yeah. Carly went on a pilgrimage, of sorts. And when when did this happen? Kind of in the narrative overall, like what point? This was before I met my sister, I believe. Yeah. But not long before. Not long before. It was okay. like, you know, quite quite high level, done yeah. quite a lot of stuff. Bjorn had seen some potential. Yeah. And basically he said, I'm going, did you, were you going north or you ran into him on the road? I think it was like a fellowship phase. Yeah. You were traveling. You were yeah. going to go back somewhere else. You were ruining. And you kind of basically, I'm going to say bumped into Bjorn on the road because that's yeah. not quite right because like there was a little bit of like Bjorn made, kind of maybe deliberately. Um, but... Uh, you, the three of you ended up going and he had an errand to complete and asked you to accompany them up, yeah. up somewhere called the Hoary Mountain or the uh, Gamelberg, which yeah. is a, a mountain that's in the book and it's at the western end of the Iron Hills. That's the right one? No, that's the wrong way. The Grey Mountains. Yeah. Western of the Grey Mountains just before they reached the Misty Mountains. Um, yeah, what do you remember? It was a, a pretty... I, I really enjoyed running this, actually. It was... It was really tense. Like, Karu was like, oh, like, Bjorn wants something from me, specifically me, and this is important. And getting up the mountain was hard. Yeah. Like, considering Karu's this huge beast of a man, yeah. much like I am. <laughs> um, and he was like, oh, he wants me to go up a mountain. This will be piss easy. Really hard, really difficult, and he could have failed quite a few times. Yeah, like it was really hard. It involved climbing things, jumping, like feats of strength. There's like, a big river that you had to yeah. do multiple crossings yeah. across. There was like dexterity-based stuff, and then you got to a point. Bjorn basically was leading you, but it didn't yeah. really help. He just no. sort of was going up on his own, yeah. and you were to follow if you could. Yeah. And um, I'd sort of thought it all out in advance, a skill challenge, sort of approach. And then there was a bit where you had to jump, you had to do a leap of faith. Yeah. Faith? Do you remember it that? It was bit? in pitch darkness. Yeah, so that you came into like a cave, followed the order, and it was pitch black, couldn't see, like, great, not having night vision. And you just had to, you knew you had to jump. Like you, yep. you could sense that there was a gap, but you didn't know how far, you didn't know where you were going to go. Yeah. And uh, how did that feel? Wow. <laughs> Considering I had chained, like, in my mind, I was like, well, you're not really doomed to die anymore. You're jumping in pitch blackness into a, <laughs> into a space that you know nothing about. Terrifying, but at the same time, this Ricardo was, this is changing who you are. You were having faith in something more than your own strength. You were believing that something else will catch you. Jump. And terrifying, absolutely terrifying. <laughs> He made, he made it yeah, yeah. spoilers the, <laughs> and uh, there was a there was a little bit more there was a really strong wind coming down yeah. a passageway that you had to fight against and this sort of spiritual aspect of it started to come in and essentially what you had to do to get through these challenges was to use up all your rages yeah and so the idea here was that like you know, car who had developed, he was moving away from anger yeah. and so you were being tested and trying to get rid of your anger and he got to the top of the mountain and you had this interaction with um, Orame. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, because because what I was what one of the things I was questioning a lot when I read the books and it's got this is 
that there is all the stuff about Bjorn, where does his power come from? It's clearly something about and what I thought was, well, of all the Valar, who actually comes to Middle Earth and, and gets involved? Orome is seen hunting in Middle Earth. He's he's around, he does yeah. things. So if people don't know he's one of the Valar, so like the sort of gods, I guess, or the sort of godlike figures, the most powerful beings, I don't know if God's the right term. Um and he he comes to Middle Earth and he interferes and he's he's quite active. So I didn't think it was unreasonable that he would be involved and potentially that's where Bjorn gets his power from. So that was just my imagination of it. That's not no way lore or um, you know, can or anything. And I I don't know how that felt as a player, but I really enjoyed running that. That was like one of those like mind <laughs> mind blown moments of stupid little Bjorning is worthy of a being of this amount of power and influence is looking and talking to me. Yeah. Uh, I spent a lot of time thinking like, how to describe it and like give you that yeah. feeling. And I think Stuart was just sort of Stuart a, was just sat a witness. Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever talked about it? Which is great. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing you know uh, some people listening and like from our game will be like what? Um, <laughs> Completely oblivious. Yeah. And yeah, and actually, Carhu failed the test. Yep, I didn't pass. He didn't pass the test. So, oh, so a guess was was put on you at that point, but mm-hmm. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. He failed like it was like one of the last. He passed so much, and I was like, he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. He's gonna get the guess. Failed. Um, get this. Get this power, and just. So I think we get you upgraded your bear thing. We, I gave you something for it. I think a feat or I think that's when I took night gore. Yeah, you took night gore at that yeah. point. It's a sort of like, how does this come up? And I actually think you told me. I think this is what happened. You told me you wanted to take that feat. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, why would you just suddenly be able to travel through the night with your feet in the spiritual bear? So this is a you know. So then I, that's where I got the inspiration to to do it. I kind of thought this at some point, and and coming forward from there to be. To to open up my behind the DM screen completely. As soon as you said that your father was called Grim, fast, and you were from the village Grim, I was like, well, the heir to Grim to Bjorn is Grim Bjorn. <laughs> so Carhu is going to be the heir to Bjorn. And I, I had that idea right at the beginning of the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I hope he survives because this is going to be really, and like, you know, I think it's like, inher- you know, is it actually a uh, you know? I can't really imagine. I was like, the other thing was, I was like, I can't really imagine Bjorn like settling down and having a family. Yeah, I just really struggled with yeah, that. Yeah, didn't really fit with. Yeah, so I was like, well, maybe more sense to just like adopt someone. Yeah, you know, the son that's like the heir. Mm. So as soon as I had that idea, I was slightly nudging narratives toward that, mm. hoping that he would survive. So that's where you were, and then you came. Others came back from Gundabad. Mm-hmm. I guess how did we get to where we are now which is well quite um, a lot like the Gundabad arc took a long time huge yeah Yeah. both as out of character playing and in character effectively took a we went to Gundabad just before winter and spring just before winter and effectively we then ended up wintering at Rivendell so it was months that Carhu was not part of the main party and you played Elras so in game a lot of time had passed and we had no idea what Carhu was up to. We spoke yeah. about it in character a lot of like, because we knew why you'd stayed yeah. and you had the sense of duty and everything. But we had no idea what was changing mm. with Carhu yeah. while we were away. Yeah. So that was quite exciting. Yeah, you <laughs> came back, it was you, very different. Did, did you, you feel different when you came back? Yes, very much so. Had you, 
during that time decided what was going on with Kai? Mm-hmm. We you? talked a few times. Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. So spent a lot of time with his sister. Yeah. Um, spent a lot of time with Bjorn, which is why Kari ah. was so different with Bjorn. Because he was very different with Bjorn, and that was going to be one of my questions, was having, you said at the beginning you were aware of, B- a car who was aware of Bjorn, but wouldn't have spoken to him because he was this strong figure and you were just a young man. And then over time role played and, you know, he knew who you were and knew who he was. But then that he was actually quite a fallible person. Was that, some of that rooted in mm-hmm. when you found out about your sister? Partly, and then in conversations that like we like didn't have, but like talked about what would have happened with Bjorn, started telling Karu his story, which directly influenced Karu, and there was a, a lot changed. Like Karu a lot of his opinions about his own feelings mm-hmm. well, that wasn't your fault it was his and he wants you to be leader so you have to be better than him yeah, yeah. yeah Bjorn was pretty like let his guard down and was really honest with, yeah. and I think like I'm not sure how the how Karhu feels about him now but I got the sense at times that Karhu had kind of lost patience with Bjorn because he was like yeah. he's so idealised and then he was like yeah I, I've been trying to do my best as a leader but like uh, this is some these are things I messed up like you know we went to this battle a lot of people died I blame myself for that mm-hmm. like Bjorn blames himself came back people had died at home mm-hmm. because he wasn't there to defend them blames himself for that yeah. um, and then Fall to the Bloody was someone that he knew and and had never really addressed uh, because of fear of repercussions so blames himself for that and then you know your family had been captured and sort of raised in this way by Walter and subverted and one he blames himself because he couldn't act on that because he feared that like if he tried to do something Walter would just kill them you know essentially mm-hmm. you know they were hostages essentially Walter really had Bjorn in a place where strength couldn't just go in and deal with it mm-hmm. but also wouldn't tell you about it because he knew up until very recently and that's when he was able to tell you all this he knew that if he told you you just run in and try and kill them, and then you just <laughs> would screw up everything yeah and I I hope that Karhu can come to forgive Bjorn for all that because you know Bjorn I was just feeling like, well, how would he, like, how would he be managing this? And he was just trying to do his best. Mm-hmm. And it was so at odds with maybe how you'd viewed Bjorn at yeah. the beginning. Totally different. Yeah. Like, completely opposite to what Karin thought of Bjorn. And also, like, what he valued, because there was a whole plot line, which was, like, one of the people who was a Bjorn, this guy called Rafik, challenged Theodric for leadership mm-hmm. of Sunny for because he wasn't strong enough. And it's sort of challenging the idea that what we see is Bjorn being really strong and that's a core value of the Bjornings. But actually here's a situation where Bjorn was forced into where strength couldn't solve it. And actually, you know, there wasn't an easy solution and that was really difficult for him. And then Karhu came in and had sort of seen Bjorn being so strong and suddenly he was quote unquote weak in the situation because he was powerless to do anything. Yeah. That's a real challenge for your like viewpoint of someone who is so idealised. Yeah. I think Karu's his relationship with Bjorn is already better than it was. But when you guys came back, there's there's definitely still tension. Yeah, and it did feel yeah. like that. And Karu felt slightly more distant, but not in a like distant from us, more in a kind of like 
I think it, maybe your eyes have been opened to lots of what's going on and the troubles that you had went from being like what the party was up to adventuring to oh actually kind of big existential stuff about who Carhu was and yeah. and actually some of our kind of adventures probably went from being a big thing in your life to like that's kind of secondary to yeah. Yeah. what I'm dealing with we actually did a, a, a different like a spin-off game sort of one shot yeah. where Carhu had gone after Rafik who was this sort of traitorous person who'd been like basically come through the valley and burned beehives. We mm-hmm. talked about the beehives at Stony Forge. So he'd come in under the direction of Bolter and, and burned beehives and Carhu went chasing after him and yeah. the other players played some like kind of woodmen that were exiled. Yeah. And um yeah, what anything interesting happened there? Yeah. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> a leading question. Um, and Carhu went chasing after Rathic into the woods. Um and heard a hunting horn, if I remember correctly, and got the urge to run towards it and run towards it and run towards it, and again needed to use his rage to push through certain struggles going towards this thing. Um, and met Orome for a second time, <laughs> um, and this time passed the test. Okay, yes. And gained the ability to turn into a mighty bear. Because at the, for that session I was I was in that spin-off session and we did see this but had no context of what had happened before. Yeah. Did, so, did I show you the you you were listening and hearing, or did we go? We, did we whispered. Separately. We went separately, so you didn't oh, know what didn't happened. Know what happened, but you no. maybe described it a bit. I, I described Carhu charging off, uh-huh. and then when I came back, much louder noise. <laughs> yes. something much bigger. Oh was yeah, I loved yeah, yeah, yeah. the trees. And you'd been hunting. You knew that the reason for the mission, essentially, that the woodmen were there, was that there was this kind of strange creature. Oh, that was it. Yeah. So they would the free woodmen characters are free. I'd gone into the forest, they had met a character um, whose name Mogdred, who's in the books, and he tasked them with hunting down this werewolf, who was actually a werewolf that you'd encountered very, very early in the campaign. Brought them back. And then, so when this thing came charging through the woods... Yeah, we definitely assumed it was... was And that was definitely what I was trying to do. We were terrified. And it was Carr who was a bear. Yeah. And I just loved that sort of like throwing off your expectations. It, was, I it worked very well. <laughs> yeah. I was terrified that we were all going to get killed by a werewolf. And then it was yeah. you as a bear. And yeah, Karu's rage has totally changed now. Yeah, we, we homebrewed the rules for that, which I took inspiration from a little bit from Wild Shape, a little bit from like Totem Barbarian. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, do we have the rules around somewhere? I don't know. Uh, online, I don't have it written out. Yeah, there, I, think. I think essentially it was like I gave you the ability to communicate with bears, yeah. gave you like natural weapon attacks. Yeah. I think you're like strength. My strength's gone up by two, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Yeah. And there was there was a couple of, most of it wasn't like, I, didn't, I don't think it made you that much more no. powerful. No. I think you maybe got some temporary hit points or something as well, or maybe not. Car who doesn't really need any extra hit as well. <laughs> but like, just a lot of stuff would be like, what would make sense for a bear? Basically, yeah. um, and gave you some maybe some like perception bonuses and stuff. I like think that. so. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see in the dark as a bear. Oh yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, which is quite um, a big deal in the adventure. It's huge. Yeah, yeah. That that was amazing, and like, yeah, changing the 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 rage 
to almost like a sense of calm, which from like creating him, he was all <laughs> built on rage and having that total flip was like such a lovely moment of catharsis. It was just like, oh, wow. I love, I love like talk, hearing about your, your ideas at the beginning and how you wanted a simple character yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, and like, I just, I think it was a show that when you create a character, you never know where they're going to end up, and like, you, you know, having room in your backstory allow, you know, being open and willing as a player to change the character, yeah. and as a lore master or DM, you know, listening to your players, like when you came to me and said, "I'm going to change my background," I'm like, yes, like that makes so much sense, yeah. or like, you know, this ability doesn't really make any sense. Let's adjust it. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 collaborate on characters that make sense of what we want to role play. Like we talked before about like that that balance between like there are rules but you also want to role play and if the rules are getting in the way of the role playing then change them. Yes, and I yes. think that same goes for your character sheet. It's not a set in stone. You might write on it in the sheet in pen. Maybe you should write on it in pencil. <laughs> That's a good lesson. <laughs> um, so yeah now we've got to a stage where where Car who's become Essentially, Grimbjorn, which I think kind of makes sense in our lore. You know that Grimbjorn, the old, is the leader of the Bjornings at the time of Lord of the Rings. So Karu is twenty-four. Yeah, he'll be he'll be pretty old. Yeah, like he'll that makes sense. And well, he's already name. met Arme twice, and he's in his twenties, and he can transform into a bear. So I think a little bit of old age is probably probably believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he'll get to level twenty whilst you go off and do some other camping. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've loved talking about Carhu because I've said this to you before. I have always thought that this our campaign was Carhu's story yeah. from the very beginning, and I think it's partly because I played Phaedric and I was very aware that I was going to be only be in temporarily as Phaedric and that that was something we'd kind of agreed. And he saw he didn't have family of his own. He kind of saw the, um, Carhu as the other Bjorning as almost like a son. He wanted to give you advice. He really wanted you to then. To, to go off and yeah. do things. So I think maybe just in my head, I was like, well, the, well, the camera will now follow Carhu. That's like the story. And it always felt that whatever the adventures we had, that Carhu's the character who developed the most. Like mm. you changed very much from the character you started as. Yeah. And I felt throughout it was your story. And these were the like, our bits were the bits that like shaped you along the way yeah, <laughs> but the plot so followed Carhu and I actually thought then the moment where you chose not to go to Gundabad was then huge and really changed my perception of our game because I was like well this is Carhu's story so when we go to Gundabad with my character that's almost like it's almost like a spin-off series <laughs> like the main story is actually going in a different direction yeah. and it, it did it yeah. was I actually think the main plot was you and Bjorn and your sister and what's going to happen with Volter, which for a while the party wasn't involved in. And I really like that. Our whole campaign's been framed through, like, Carr who started as this simple, angry person. He's going to end up as this, like, mythical leader of his people. And the rest of us players were like, your friends on the way? <laughs> well, kind of I contributed to... There's sort of two main, main stories, I would say. There's been Carhu stories and yes. there's been Helmer stories. And they're probably, probably the two main stories. I don't, think, you know, I don't know why that is. Like you can never really unpick exactly how it is. You know, Part of it will be to do with the characters you came up with, part of it to do with the quests that I laid, laid yeah. on the road. And it could have just as easily been Runin and Torvald or, yeah, or one of the other characters that became the main story. And actually, the, some of the other characters that have come in have 
when we've designed them linked into the stories. Yes, yeah, yeah. which so. has been really fun. Like Bert's character Dior is like so linked to Helmut's stories, yes. and it like, was really great to like collaborate on building someone. So you don't need to have one main story, and I, that was very deliberate. Like, yeah, yeah. You kind of want everyone to feel like the main character, but then maybe don't, maybe don't need to do that. I think it's just the way I see things. I don't think it's that the game's not been balanced. I just in my head, I, yeah. that's how the narrative has been. And I actually think it gives it a lot of. I find it very satisfying because your character, I think, has developed a lot. So it mm. feels that this, the, the the campaign and the story has developed a lot. And I, I th- think. Caro will be stepping off the stage soon. This kind yeah. of, well, I don't know. Well, but. I guess in terms of our like journey and we've gone there. We've done a lot of high levels. We're in this like really tense moment now, where there's you know attacks and the woodmen coming, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of conflict. And uh, we're sort of wrapping up this leg of our campaign, and I've got plans for for other things to run. So you know, I think potentially that will be the, the end of Carhu's story but I, I guess like for other people playing you know what, what may hopefully you've taken from there some ideas or inspirations your own characters for games you can run but I think one of the things there is like you know how do we get from Bjorn on his own to Bjorn leading his people to then you know the time of the rings Grim Bjorn leading this large group of, of hardy people yeah you know what? What are the stories? So Grimbjorn must come from someone, and there's, you can do different ways of doing that. But maybe you've got a Bjorning player, and maybe they could be the next Bjorn, Grimbjorn. You know who? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've loved it. It's been incredible. And all of that came from being doomed to die at the beginning. Yeah, that all stemmed D to from D. that background. D to D. D to D. Yeah, one thing I was thinking <laughs> we were talking there, whether you were talking about the main stories, is that Carhu's like the local hero. And Kalmir's uh, the the out of local hero. You know, so <laughs> yeah, just, I just think he matched that episode where we just dropped the local hero theme. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should play that again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a lovely piece of music. Yep. What a delightful way to finish the episode, Scott. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us about Carhu. Car who? Car who? I we I will almost certainly have to be back on to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, I made that joke so many times in game. We almost certainly have to be back on to talk about how things wrap up because it does feel we're right on the cusp. Of yeah, yeah. Once conclusion. we've wrapped it up, where the, where the, the epilogue of that that arc, yeah. and also talk about Elaras because he's another terrifying character. Yeah, I really enjoyed playing him too. Scary in a different way. No emails, except on party business. And comments, suggestions, and questions to thefellowshipphase at gmail.com. The long year turns to its close. Much we have accomplished these last seasons. Our fellowship disbands, but is not broken, and we will return. On the next episode of the fellowship phase.